When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And today we are talking yellow. This is the most fashionable (laughs) colour of the moment and we are going to talk to you about how you can use it. Then we're going to teach you how to make the bed. Well, how to make it so fabulous you never want to leave it. Although, have to say, I'm kind of there already. But our style surgery will reveal how to mismatch with confidence. Oh, I am loving today's lineup. And you talking about yellow and how to use it. Haven't we done the full 360? um, uh, Let's just, well, um, can't actually see. (laughs) No, you've actually got the memo that it is, yes, the most fashionable colour. You have been rallying against yellow ever since we started this podcast podcast in like 2018 or whenever it was and slowly slowly you've been warming to it I mean there was the lockdown fantasy of the yellow kitchen I remember that kind of came and went and then there was the playing around with yellow in the bedroom and you could uh photoshop your window yellow but you couldn't quite commit to the yellow paint and now you are declaring that it's the most fashionable color around I'm gonna go further I'm gonna say millennial pink is dead long live yellow (laughs) Um, But I'm just going to correct you on a few points there. Yes, I did have my yellow window frame photoshopped so I could see what it looked like. I'm here for it. The mad husband, not so much. So, you know, that's a different argument and probably for a different podcast, let's be honest. I just want to give this a bit of context. This really came to a head, actually, in the last couple of weeks. There's a very famous restaurant in London called Sketch which was decorated by the designer India Madhavi. And for years and years, it has been this, probably the actual millennial pink. It had pink walls, it had pink velvet chairs, pink tables. The whole thing was deeply pink with these very, very full gallery walls of art done by the artist David Trigley. Suddenly... And it felt really, really directional when they did it, didn't, oh, didn't it? Oh, it we'd felt, never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it. And it's more, I think it's probably one of the most Instagram spaces yeah. in London. And that's Because partly, it's such a strong, powdery, girly pink, but it looks so super cool. But also, they went full on into it. I mean, as mm. I say, they did all the walls, they did the chairs, you know, the whole thing was the very pink. The floor was kind of like a herringbone pink marble thing going on or something, was it? With tiles, I think, but... I think they would have yeah. reflected off the, the pink. And then the pictures, these David Trigley, were basically black and white. So they stood out again very strongly. Anyhow, it's all been revealed in its new glory. And the David Trigley pictures have gone. And it has now been completely redecorated by a British Nigerian designer called Yinka Shonibari. And it is this very beautiful sort of, I'm going saffron, mustardy, mm. yellow ochre all over the walls, 
all over the chairs. And actually, to pick up on a point we made last week, the gallery walls have gone. And now there are, I believe, only 13 big pictures round the walls. So we were talking, weren't we, in the last show mm. about whether the gallery wall was dead. And suddenly we have no more gallery wall, no more blush pink. We're cosy yellow and big artwork. So that was mm. the kind of starting point for feeling validated by yellow. Yeah, I think it's a really, really, really strong style statement, isn't it? And again, it, I suppose when Sketch did it pink, pink was probably quite an unfashionable colour and they made it cool again. Yeah. And maybe they're doing the same for yellow. I mean, I think yellow has been sitting in the uncool camp <laughs> for quite a long time. And we've been, you know, you and I have talked about yellow quite a lot in the podcast because well, we'll get into this later. But I think from a psychology point of view, it is a really happy, positive colour to have in your interior spaces. So we've been dancing and playing with it for a while, especially down lockdown. But interesting sketch of come out, all out, making this rather uncool yellow colour really, really trendy again. It's fascinating. Well, there's two points I want to make there. And one is this notion of really going for it. And actually, I was talking to someone about this just yesterday. I think when you often start off with a mood board, in your case, or a bit of back of the envelope in mine for a new room scheme, <laughs> and you start off and you go, yes, I'm going to go bold, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be that. And then it comes to actually sort of doing it and time goes on, budget gets in the way, or time gets in the way, or other members of the family yeah, the other get, half in, gets the way, in the way. And your desires kind of row back or you panic and you think, you know, actually, I really wanted that strong colour, but I'm a bit frightened I might go off it. So you row it back. And it seems to me that every single time you do that, once you've got over the newness of the decoration, you always think, oh, I wish I'd done it. I wish I'd done it. So that's, I was chatting to this person yesterday who said that he'd just done his bathroom and the final bathroom was quite watered down from the original bathroom design for all those similar reasons. And every time he went in there, he was a bit like, oh, we compromised to make it feel safer. And he wishes he hadn't. And that's what I admire about this new design in Sketch. It's like, there's no holding back. They mm. could have just done yellow chairs and kind of creamy walls or vice versa, but they have colour drenched, they've gone for it. And I love that idea. Do you think, uh, I've got the picture up at the moment, do you think the walls are a bit more of a plaster colour than a pure yellow though? Because the ceiling, the ornate ceiling's very yellow, all the upholstery's very yellow. But I think the walls are a touch of a pinky plaster. They might, I have to say, I haven't been able to go yet. So yeah, I haven't, we're going, oh, well, there you go, Kate. We're going to have to have a date. We're going to have to go and have tea at Sketch and check out the oh. particular wall colour. But I think it's interesting because the other room that I think has been in the press quite a lot in the last couple of weeks is Matthew Williamson's redecoration of his London pad has been in Deck. And it's all over his Instagram account. And obviously, we've been to Matthew Williamson's flat in London, haven't we? And we've recorded we this very and podcast from there. But he's completely changed all the colours. And his living room is now this lovely golden yellow colour with a plaster pink on the walls. So it's obviously a thing. 
that's going on. Well, it's a great combination, isn't it? And actually, mm. if you have, you see, there we go. I'm so far ahead. I've already got the plaster pink walls in my bedroom and <laughs> I'm just adding the yellow windows. <laughs> Clearly, you know, I was there. <laughs> well, listen, I could argue I was there because I've had a pink living room with yellow doors now for about five years. So there we are. That's true. I was really interested, though, in the particular tones because Matthew's living room is tonally quite similar pinks and yellows as Sketch. And interestingly, because Matthew said what paint colours he's used on his Instagram, he's gone for what's called Hackney Gold on his amazing curved bay windows in a gloss and Lido Pink on the walls. Both of these colours by Pickleson Paint Company, who are quite a small boutique paint brand. But it's about getting those specific colours. So we're not talking daffodil, sunshine, sunflower, yellow. They are, like you said, quite a burnt, warm, golden yellow bit mucky but with this quite mucky pink as well and I think it is that the tone of these colours is what makes them quite sophisticated. Well and also actually for Matthew's house it's a complete contrast because if you remember when we went it was very much that kind of cleaner brighter magenta sort of pink and turquoise. It was like a turquoise so wasn't it? Was it? Much, yeah. It was a much cleaner Fresher. cooler palette. These colours are much warmer they're a bit dirtier I think they're much easier to live in and obviously you know it's I've long made clear on this podcast my dislike of the kind of primrose daffodil, clean, bright yes, yellows. You have, and I you think hear these you. kind of muddy ones are slightly easier to live with. But it's interesting, actually, because in preparing for this podcast, did you do any prep? I did some prep. <laughs> and I was looking up about yellow and I wrote a blog post in 2017, March 2017. So exactly five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to a press launch with Farrow and Ball where their director of colour, Joa Studholm, was presenting some new colours, which obviously Farrow and Ball only do once every three years. But before she presented the new colours, she spoke to us about the colours that she thought were going to be big in 2017-18. And her direct quote was, yellow is coming for us. And I remember we all sat there in this room, which was painted actually in smoke trout, which is now an archived colour, but it's a very browny, plastery pink. It's a beautiful colour. And we said, don't be ridiculous, Joa. We know you know everything, but surely you don't know that. Um, (laughs) And I think it's an interesting point that we talk a lot on this podcast about how people are afraid of trends because they come and go and they're worried that they will adopt or a trend and then it will have gone out of fashion. And we always come at it from the point of view that, you know, know your own mind, be confident in what you like. So it's not about fashion moving on. But in terms of the arc of an interior trend, I mean, that was a long time ago. And the colour Joa was talking about there is a Farron Ball colour called Hay, which is a very it's sort of soft, soft isn't, isn't it? it? And mm, she calls it a golden a, yellow still, she, though, isn't it? Yeah, she calls it a yellow. quiet yellow. And she said about it... Which, a quiet yellow? A quiet yellow, because oh, I didn't it's know there was. Muted. Couldn't there be such a thing as well, a quiet yellow? Hay, and what she said, and I really like this, she said Hay is the feel of a space that's been just forgotten about and you've just come across it and decided to kind of tidy it up. So oh, that's got, so far and ball. Like your it? house is so huge that you had a yeah, room. You've you forgotten forgot the whole about. room. But I <laughs> love that. I think the point being it, it's a so little on bit brand. period, it's a bit <laughs> muted, and it's quite a comfortable colour to be. It's not screaming yellow. I mean, it's mm. almost more towards the kind of 
parchment, yellowy parchment feel Got rather a quite than a lot a of brown undertone. Yeah. But just interesting that you know, she said that in 2017. Here we are in 2022, and finally, yellow's gone. Woohoo! I've come out from behind the bushes. I'm ready. And actually, you know, you could have been a very early adopter with yellow back in 2017, or you could just be picking it up now. And I think this means that the not necessarily that Sketch has led the way, but I think the fact that suddenly it's coming yellow through, is everywhere. Well, I don't think you've got another well. three or five years. This is not a monologue. I, there is years. another person in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to finish my sentence. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say as well. Like there was that Pantone color of the year that was bright yellow. When that was, was that? horrible. That was a co- I, well, I know you erased <laughs> it from your memory, and I'm here to bring it back into focus. I think it might have been 2020. That was grey yeah. and yellow, wasn't it? Grey and yellow, and it, but it was a very sherbety, bright, acidic yellow, yeah. which is why you've eradicated it from all memory because yeah. you're more of a hay. You're more of a hay yellow, whereas I'm probably am more of a bright, zesty lemon yellow. And I suppose this is where we come with trends, like you say, is pick the tone that's right yeah. for you. Just because a very muddy, soft, quiet yellow, I find that quite. What's that thing when two things cancel each other out? There's a word for it, isn't there? A quiet yellow is like a... An oxymoron. Yeah, is that what it is? Oxymoron. Oh, thank you, Kate Taylor, producer. That was not Kate Taylor, that was me. Well, no, she put... Yeah, it was you, seconded. Seconded. (laughs) (laughs) I know all the words. You know all the words, especially the five-letter words, you clever thing. Anyways, yeah, you know, I suppose that's how I would open it up because yellow, I mean, this is what I'm quite interested by the quiet yellow idea because I've always seen yellow as quite an energising colour to use in spaces. Therefore, I rarely use it as a wall colour, actually. Oh, I You never really use it as a wall colour. I color. don't, but you know, I'm kind of itching to put a bit of a golden yellow in my living room, which is currently pale pink. But it's not been... But use up. Yeah, bleh, bleh, uh, yeah, I know. I'm putting my hands out. I'm coming in. Oh, God, here we go. I've got you on record somewhere oh, really in the last are. 50 or 60 episodes of this podcast where yeah. you said... Oh, one of my signature colours is yellow, always in an accent, in a painting, in a cushion, in a vase, in an ornament. But I will never, 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 ever, you said, put yellow on my walls. Never, Mm. ever. And then Mm. about six months after that, you did put it on a door. So it's the creep. But that's a really acid yellow. I couldn't have that kind of yellow on all the walls. I think it would give me a headache. I'm just, you know, I'm just dancing with the idea, Kate. This is, I'm not committing. I'm not putting this down on record. But I am quite, yeah, I'm quite loving all these warm yellows. There does seem something quietly jolly and optimistic, but it's a quieter colour than the yellow I typically use in my home, which is that real slice of lemon acid pop, which, you know, I'll have on a, like you say, on a painting, on a lampshade, on a vase. But it would absolutely, you would actually have to wear sunglasses if you put it on all four I think if you do your sitting room in a lovely, warm yellow, you've got to do... In a quiet yellow. In a quiet quiet yellow. yellow. I Mm. think you need to put that pale pink that's on the walls. You need to slide it up over the ceiling because I've got a problem with yellow and white because it's scrambled egg. Oh, it so is. I can't do yellow and white. Oh, but a pink ceiling in yellow walls. I told you to do the ceiling pink there before you said Tom wouldn't have it. But now he won't notice. He'll be so busy looking at the yellow that you'll be able to slide that very subtle pink all over the ceiling and he won't see it. Yes. Yeah. But you're going to have to get a new sofa because you've got a very, quite an acidy yellow sofa. I know, I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm... 
that living room is yet to be resolved. It's all scratchy, not quite there. Interesting. But, uh, you know, yeah. But Interesting. And then talking, I mean, about yellow, where you would use it on walls, I get it in a sitting room. I still sort of slightly fantasise and go on Pinterest and pin yellow kitchen cupboards. Don't know that mm. I ever will. But I don't think you'd want it in a bedroom, would you? No, Maybe a bedroom ceiling. So. Would a bedroom ceiling might be quite nice? Well, I suppose if it's a golden colour, but again, you know, from a psychology point of view, it's quite an energising colour. So just got to slightly bear that in mind, I suppose. But if you go towards the browner end, the hay colours, then I suppose then that could be nice. But the really bright peppy yellows, not so relaxing in a bedroom, I would argue. I looked back, of course, into, you know, when yellow was first used. Um, in interiors. Oh, it's a very expensive pigment, wasn't it? Well, you I know. was absolutely convinced I was going to find it in Georgian interiors. And, mm. you know, I just had a quick look around and actually I didn't. They were kind of pastels, but it was more sort of pale pinks, greens and blues. There was a bit of it in, in the late 1800s. And then the Victorians, of course, were dark. And where I found it, and this is not the definitive answer, but this was just a sort of quick ramble through the internet. It first came up really strongly in the 1970s with the first kind of mass eco movement. And there was all those earthy colours. So we always associate that kind of burnt orange and terracotta cotter and brown with the 1970s but actually there was a very popular sort of dirty yellow called harvest yellow and that's where it really took harvest off harvest yellow harvest that's yellow. the color right that's the <laughs> 70s yellow right yeah, there i think the we can all picture that yeah well you know this you find this quite interesting then for your history fact check the brighton pavilion yes just down the road from me obviously the prince regent built that for as his party den and that has got an acid yellow guest bedroom painted all four walls in this really like emperor electric yellow and apparently it was because it was an extremely expensive paint pigment to get oh, interesting. that was a very very special room but in this also I found taking it further back that actually I thought you were going to be more interested by that fact than you were you weren't were you just no, I was very interested. I just was you? trying to remember the next thing I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had actually that. skated past the Brighton Pavilion and I saw that. But then uh, apparently the Romans did like it. I don't know oh, how they like made it. this is getting competitive now, isn't it? Well, yes. I raised no. you the, 18, I raise the mid-1800s and to I raised the Romans down to Rome. <laughs> because they liked it because they associated the colour with gold. Mm. And money. And interesting. And that is not an association I would have made. I get the harvest. I get the sunshine. I get the optimism. I would never have put it with money. Maybe because in terms of interior design, luxury, high-end interiors, they're never yellow, are they? If people want to show off their wealth in contemporary, you know, I'm not talking about the Romans now, you don't see yellow figured very Often, uh, probably because it's not seen as a fashionable colour, but you do see a lot of gold, which is basically just yeah. yellow metallic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So if the yellow trend leaves you needing a decorating support group, <laughs> never fear. Just head to the Great Indoors podcast on Facebook. And of course, do come and follow us on Instagram, where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and she's mad about the house. So that brings us on to our next topic. I'm feeling very springtime at the moment. That's another thing I didn't say about yellow. Yellow to me is the colour of spring. It's all freshness, newness, 
optimism. And the other thing that I think represents spring is having a little bit of a home refresh. And there's nothing better than restyling the bed. So I thought we could discuss that, how to make the perfect bed and indeed refresh your bedroom for this time of year. What are your thoughts, KWS? Well, I'm not a big bed refresher. Oh, Let's what? be honest. Oh. <laughs> Poor well, my balloon. Look, I just gave her such a good build-up and there she is. I popped like, your balloon. Well, you I my no, balloon. Oh, you know, uh, for years we have had, and I'm blaming the mad husband, he doesn't have many rules, but he only likes white bed linen. Ah. Now, we have been together for, I can't even do the sums, since 1995. It's a long time. We are old. <laughs> and I'm going to say that last year I went on a styling shoot and I brought back from the shoot some floral bed linen and some plain, actually pale pink millennium bed linen. And I just suggested, and he had a little bit of a hernia at the floral, but we have now graduated to pale pink checks with a green blanket oh. over the end of the bed to match the headboard. Oh. So slow and steady. That's only we're 25 years. years in. We're, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to say, obviously I've got thoughts on this, but I'm not necessarily the leading expert. So you know, talk us through the bed. Well, I tell you one thing that I thought quite interesting on Dream Home Makeovers when we were doing makeovers for people's Sorry, homes. Sorry, what was that? Was, <laughs> was that? What was Dream? Was that? Is that a magazine? That's is that my a book? Hit, I can uh, read? That, was my hit, that was my hit TV show, Kate. That you can catch up on my oh, five. Are you on the telly? And, uh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I'd forgotten. You'd hardly mentioned it. Really, did you must blow your own trumpet a little more. <laughs> One thing I saw a lot, actually across the board, bar none, was some really underwhelming bedroom styling going on. I so thought you were going is... the opposite way with that. Well, I love that. Yeah, let, oh, God, yeah. the bedrooms were dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> underwhelming is me being polite. Typically, the bed would be two pillows, duvet cover, Never ironed, but to be fair, I'm fine with that because I can't be bothered to wind mine either. Life's too short. So crinkled duvet cover, crinkled flat pancake pillows. <laughs> and it's just flat. It's just flatness. No texture, no colour. Some Quite often white bed linen, but also just like plain grey was quite popular as well. And honestly, there was nothing that sucks the joy out more than a really underwhelming bed. And so quite often in the makeovers, I had to teach people how to dress a bed. And look, here's the thing. It doesn't need to be expensive and it doesn't need to be rocket science, but it is really nice to give your bed a little bit of love. I, I remember white bed linen was the go-to and it was terribly naff to deviate. You know, that hotel. Well, it was white hotel, bed linen. wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Hotel look, get the white bed linen, and then maybe you put a coloured throw and a cushion on it if you were really going to go crazy. Oh, not anymore. I mean, I think we're really, you know, the most fashionable homes now are fully embracing plain bed linen in a colour or indeed Pattern bed linen. I mean, I'm just seeing anywhere. I mean, Matthew Williamson, we've already um, talked about him leading the way at the first part of this podcast. Well, he's just launched a new range of bed linen for John Lewis. It's an absolute pattern clashing, colour explosion extravaganza. And I absolutely love it. John Lewis have also got ranges by like Tabitha Webb, the fashion designer. She's done a range of pattern bed linen. One of my personal favourite brands is Coco and Wolf, if you like a bit of a Liberty floral. 
on yes, your bed linen. Yes, that's beautiful. And then we both love, um, I think they're an Australian brand, Society of Wanderers. Who Which you quite... can get in the UK, but I mean, it's expensive. But actually, mm. if you look at Lara Dute, who I always maintain are good on textiles, are good on rugs, good on cushions and bed linen, and they have quite a lot of patterned bed linen. And they do sell it in sets, but also they make it quite easy to have a pillowcase with small flowers or a duvet cover with big flowers, which you're going to get into that kind of yes, mixing Yes, we're mixing and matching, aren't yeah. we? So we get and yeah, I don't feel that you should feel beholden to having the matching set. Your pillowcases don't necessarily have to match your duvet cover. I think it's fun. Um, Antipodean Dream is a really nice British retailer who has a lot of Australian brands. Actually, Australian do brilliant textiles, towels and bed linen. I don't know, yeah. they're all over it. Um, so they're worth checking out. I have like two different types of pillows. Then a duvet cover and a throw and scatter cushions as well, because that's me. I'm a maximalist and I love as many colours and layering the bed with lots and lots and lots of visual interest. But if you are beholden to just your plain white bed linen, that's okay. But do consider always having a throw or a quilt or something over the bottom of the bed to break the pancake flackness of white. And then just a couple of cushions, just a couple but of scatters. I it was just gonna raises say, the bar so much. Oh, that bar, it's always got to be raised for it's Sophie, hasn't it? <laughs> I'm never happy. Never, never happy, happy unless, unless that bar is raised. It. I'm going to say, if you have a small bedroom or if, like me, you just can't be asked to be taking cushions on and off the bed or you're faced with, you know, sleeping partner who's not keen, you can, if you just use different coloured pillowcases, then you don't even have to take them on the bed. You can sleep on them. And that goes mm. a long way towards dressing the bed. But part of my reluctance, you know, shall we call it laziness? Shall we call it what it is? Yeah, part come of on. my laziness is that I get up in the morning I have my shower, I get dressed or, you know, do whatever I'm doing and then I leave and I don't go back there until I'm getting into bed. So um, it's a little bit, who am I doing this for? For oh, the cat, when you... she's on the bed all day. But my thing is, when you do walk into your bedroom of an evening, it gives me a real boost. So I always make my bed. Again, I'm not ironing it. I'm not doing hospital corners. I'm not like giving myself, you know, the bar isn't that high, but I flatten out the duvet and I just Kate seriously I pick two cushions off the floor and I fling them on the bed it takes me literally like three seconds and then I have my lovely patent headboard as well so there's just an it just looks nicer when I come in of an evening I'm greeted by a beautiful scene rather than just scruffy white unmade bed with no love. It just makes getting into bed feel like a bit special. Yeah. Okay. Well, as little, little not, we're not throwing off 15 cushions, you know, pleasures. I've already yeah, no, got to go 15. to bed half an hour earlier to get all the moisturising in that has to happen these days. You know, God. <laughs> you know, I used to stay up till midnight and just fall into bed. Now, you know, oh, we're going to go upstairs no. at half past 10 and oh, start, yes. you know, moisturising. You've got to cleanse. Got I have time twice. for cushions. Facial oil, serums. I, yeah. I would cream. say that as a point I like. If you've got a bed head, actually having a patterned one is mm. another way of not having to move things around or to give you a colour palette because you can have a really extravagantly patterned headboard, which you mm. love. Again, you'll have your back to it, so it won't be keeping you awake at night. And then you could have plain bed linen, if that's your jam, just in colours from the headboard and you can change them. So that gives you a way of bringing in a bit of permanent pattern and colour if you're not wanting to dress the bed all the time. Well, look, here's my... Because we have a emperor size bed. That's a 
massive six foot wide bed it's wow. absolutely huge but it does mean that I'm quite limited to what bed linen I can buy actually because a lot of them only go up to uh, super king size a lot of the brands an emperor size bed linen you're really restricted so I actually admit to only having plain white but then I've got the really patterned headboard I've got a yeah. really patterned throw that I put on the bottom and of course I've got my cushions so that elevates it for me in the guest bedroom and in Arthur's bedroom we're all over the pattern in those two rooms we can't get enough of it. It's great. And I just, I find it like as well, because we change the sheets every week, you can refresh and have a little different look every week. It's like this week it's checks, next week it's florals. The week after that, I'm going for a stripe. I mean, you know, the joy, the joy it brings. Just get into it. Get into it. And here's another tip. Oh, you also see. consider... Consider buying a duvet a little bit bigger than the bed size. So, for example, if you've got a king-size bed, consider buying a super king-size duvet. It just drapes much more luxuriously over the side of the bed. And my personal bugbear is a lot of the high street off-the-peg quilts, bed throws, are always too small. They're quite often like even less than two metres. Oh, I hate that. If you've got a bed throw, try and get it big enough so it drips all the way to the floor. Drips? Drapes? Drapes. It's dripping. My, <laughs> mine are dripping I think that's with that enough drape. Now. I don't want to talk about dripping bed linen. You're overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Okay, I had you at two cushions, didn't I? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll work on the bed throw on another <laughs> podcast. All right, then. <laughs> Thank you so much to all of you who sent voice notes to the style surgery at the great indoors pod at gmail.com and we will get to them I promise but just to be contrary this week we wanted to chat about an email we got from our listener Rachel. Rachel says hello both are there rules when it comes to mismatching your sofa with your armchairs I have a very chunky tricky coloured in brackets Bordeaux burgundy l-shaped sofa and I need a chair too and I don't want them to be the same style or colour. But I'm not sure what the right mismatch would be. Also, is there such a shop that sells new chairs upholstered in a fabric of your choice? Or do you have to buy the chair and then the fabric separately and find someone to upholster it for you? Oh, I love this question. I love an upholstery question. We've never you, got Kate. into that, have we? We've never got into that. Well, should we tackle the first bit? Mismatching your furniture. So I think everybody hopefully knows that buying a matching three-piece suite, we haven't done that since the 1980s, have we? I mean, that's just like so no. So It'll probably be back is, in a minute. You'll find oh someone God, will, super trendy it? like Luke Edward Hall or buy some matching <laughs> fringed damask three-piece suite and we'll all be going, woo! And then he'll, he'll buy it in millennial yellow or whatever we call it. And, you know, we'll the world will for. rock on its axis once again. <laughs> but meanwhile, meanwhile we're, still, we're still mismatching our upholstered sofa, sofas and armchairs. It's an interesting one, this, because we have talked a lot about how to mix patterns and colours and textures. And we haven't really talked about shapes. And I often think that looking at the shapes in your room can kind of be the missing link. You know, you can go into a room and you can think, well, 
I know all these colors work and I know that I've got a mix of textures and I've looked at the guidelines and I get it, but there's something that still isn't quite working. And I think that's when you need to look at the shapes and you might find that you've got too many straight lines. You know, for, for most of us, unless you live in an oast house in Kent, your rooms are basically square or rectangle or angular. And your sofa is probably fairly rectangle and you've got, you know, a fireplace and a coffee table. So we do tend to have a lot of straight lines and it sounds, there, Rachel, as if you've got a fairly straight, you know, an L-shaped sofa, which is chunky and heavy, also might have some straight lines. So I would think you need to look at a pair of chairs in this instance, because otherwise, you know, you're going to have an imbalance with a big sofa, a pair of chairs that are in a slightly contrasting shape that are a bit lighter. So perhaps chairs with wooden arms so that they're less likely to sort of block the light and they just bring a bit of lightness to the room. That would be the first thing. And perhaps chairs on legs, because again, your classic L-shaped sofa, and obviously we haven't seen it, but they tend to sit quite squashed to the floor and they dominate the room. So a pair of chairs that are taller and slimmer would be my first suggestion. And I suppose if there isn't, because you mentioned needing a chair, this would still work if there's any room for one chair, right? You wouldn't have to have a pair. A pair would be nice. I but think you'd you have, have to have a bigger one. Yeah. One bigger one. Yeah. So, you know, the chunky L-shaped sofa in Burgundy, I don't know, I'm getting really 70s vibes from that. You don't talk about the the style of it. But, you know, maybe a mid-century modern style armchair would work really well with that style of sofa, perhaps. And it's But your old adage, Kate, is you can't go wrong with mid-century modern. It sort of looks good with like Victorian shaped furniture. It looks good with modern shaped furniture. It's that kind of design style, that mid-century design style kind of goes with everything, but also makes a really nice statement in itself. So maybe look at those sort of design references. And it's difficult without seeing it, actually. But, you know, my guess is that if it's chunky and L-shaped, you do not want another chunky Chunky, chair because it's not going to match. And so therefore you're just going to have two big chunky things in the room. So you need to change it up. And then to come back to the sort of colours, you could cover the chair in, for the sake of argument, a burgundy and white striped ticking or something to bring the colours across and link them. But I Mm -hmm. think for the shape, you're not going to match. So you've got to contrast. And the other thing with the mid-century modern shaped armchairs is they're quite, they are quite light and fine lined, aren't they? They don't tend to be very chunky. Like you say, they've got open arms or they're on spindle legs or even the mid-century wingback armchair is still quite slender in its design. So I'd I'd look at that to go with your your chunky chunky. And yeah, and as for colour, I kind of depends really... Rachel, what else you got going with your burgundy? So look at other colours in the room, wallpaper, fabrics, artwork, rugs, and pull out one of those colours to to tie it all in together. So it kind of could be anything. I tell you what you could do, which might look really cool. And again, depends on the shape of the sofa and the chair, but you could get another chair, as we say, that quite quite a big one, mid-century that's tall, and you could cover it in a very big check, which might echo the chunkiness of the shape of the sofa, but it's on a smaller piece of furniture. Or so just you're a, bringing the a link bold that fabric, way. you mean, yeah. like a bold print. It doesn't have to be a check, I suppose, just a, like a big, large-scale fabric. Yeah. On to the second part of the question, buying a new armchair and getting it covered in a fabric of your choice is actually harder than it should be, right? Because, you know, typically you could buy a vintage armchair, which will be cheaper because having anything covered comes with an expense. So we quite often save on buying a secondhand 
piece of furniture and then buy the fabric separately and get it covered, which then ends up being the price of a new armchair, doesn't it, by the time yeah. you've gone through all those steps. But actually buying a new piece, so typically on the high street, you can't have that covered in any fabric of your choice. You choose from the retailer's selection. Yeah. And quite often they're plain fabrics. You know, Although even they like, might have quite a lot you know, they have a lot of choice, but 50 they do. plain colours. Yeah. And probably half of those are shades of grey and taupe. Yeah. Because that's typically what most people buy. But if you do want a pattern, for example, and I hope you do, because a pattern armchair is so brilliant, uh, here in the UK, anyway, at least, it, you start then going to sort of more high end bespoke furniture retailers. But what you'll, you'll find, I think, quite often is if you go to a high end furniture, place which is going to recover it in one of their fabrics if you provide them with the material you want they probably won't charge you any extra to put your material on as opposed to their material but obviously you've got to buy your material and you will be buying that at the recommended retail price I mean I think places like love your home will have your own fabric but I mean off the top of my head like in Chelsea Harbour you've got David Seafried for example who will cover new pieces of furniture in any fabric but like I said it's more of an expensive high-end thing. But, you know, it depends what your budget is, I suppose, Rachel. And as you say, you know, if you're buying a, a vintage chair, that probably needs reupholstering anyway. So then there's there's lots of upholsterers. I think you can find lots of them on Instagram. You can find, I mean, I've got one on the high street near me and they're probably quite competitive now. So in summary, when it comes to mixing different shapes with your sofas and your armchairs. I suppose the thing is, is to, if you're not going to match, don't match. Look at different periods and different shades and don't be afraid to contrast them. And then when it comes to having chairs upholstered, my personal feeling is you should consider upholstering an old piece of furniture. You know, it's sustainable and arguably more affordable than going to more high-end furniture retailers. As ever, there will be more details on the blogs. I'm sophierobinson.co.uk and she's madaboutthehouse.com. And I just want to take a moment to celebrate the fact that only just very recently we passed the two million downloads marked. <laughs> oh, it's honestly such a delight to be part of this buzzing community. And we can't thank you enough for listening, reviewing, posting on the Facebook group, commenting on Insta, sending in your style surgery questions and generally just being brilliant. And to mark the moment, I wanted to share this recent review from Foxy Tinks on Apple Podcasts. Foxy says, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't sure this podcast was going to be for me because there seemed to be a lot of giggling on first listen. <laughs> Sorry, Foxy, obviously not me. <laughs> However, I will never judge a podcast by its giggling again because I can't get enough of Sophie and Kate. Authentic, genuine, funny and full of amazing interiors advice and inspiration. Thanks for being the highlight of my day and for pushing me into giving the Wordle a go. Obsessed. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's got it in four this morning, actually. Well, there you go, Kate. A victory for Team Wordle. And thanks, Foxy. And if by any remote chance there is anyone in your life who doesn't already listen to the show, do share it. We shall conquer the world yet with our cushion chat. Anyway, that's quite enough of all that blowing our own trumpet, even if it is a yellow one. For now, <laughs> thanks to producer Kate Taylor of Feast Collective and thanks to you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors. Doors.